This is Recognize, a podcast about the NHL's black and biracial hockey heroes, proudly supported by eBay Canada. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players, and I'm going to talk to all of them so you can learn their stories. Looks okay now. Take away. Dawes moving in. Scores! Nigel Dawes gives the Rangers a 2-1 to lead with 3.16 to go. Well, you talk about it. You talk about a player that was due to score was Nigel Dawes. This, I believe, will be unassisted again. The Rangers, he'll steal the puck right here. Now watch Nigel Dawes was born in Winnipeg in 1985. He played 212 games in five seasons in the National Hockey League for the New York Rangers, Phoenix Coyotes, Calgary Flames, Atlanta Thrashers, and Montreal Canadiens. So, uh, hi, Nigel. Thanks for being on the My Hockey Hero podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. That's great. I like that uh, jersey you have in the background. Is that from Calgary? Yeah, there's Calgary here. Uh, there's uh, oh, there's wow. a couple more on the wall there. Distant future. And then back there, there's uh, World Juniors and the gold medal. So just a couple of memories from the career. Yeah, it looks amazing. <laughs> so uh, to start out with, I've got this uh, photo of one of your rookie cards with the New New York Rangers. Tell us what comes to mind when you see this card. Um, I think warm up. I think that was taken in warm up. <laughs> but uh, no, um, definitely a lot of good memories. Um, you know, starting my career with the Rangers organization and and getting drafted there. I'd never been to New York City at the time, so I was just excited to to get the opportunity to go and uh, visit and. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to uh, make the team down the road and be able to play for, uh, you know, one of the original six franchises. All right. Did, do you know where the photo was taken, Nigel? That photo? Have, have you seen many of those cards before? I think, yeah, I think that one was at MSG. Uh, I, th- I think it was uh, in a picture from warm-ups, but um, yeah, I've, I've seen that card a few times and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty neat to see. And even now, uh, I've had some friends over the last couple of years that have come by and actually f- either had some cards or found some online and, and kind of gifted them to, to my son. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of come full circle like that. And uh, now that I'm retired, I feel like he's way more into hockey than I was the last few years that uh, I was playing and he was coming to the games and uh, maybe not so into it, but yeah, you know, he's got some reason, and it is cool for him to see that. Okay. I know you've had a long career, so we're going to get into that a little later. But I just wanted to turn us back to the time when uh, you were a younger person. So did you uh, recall, you grew up in Winnipeg, did you recall collecting cards with your friends? And what was that experience like? Yeah, I, I, I actually I had a whole binder full of cards when I was younger. I probably in like grade one or grade two um you know it was it was always fun to to collect them and we all kind of had our favorite players mine was uh joe sackett growing up and yeah just uh, to be able to to go to the convenience store and buy a new pack of cards if you uh, got some allowance money or birthday money and um just kind of see which cards you could get and then be able to watch them on tv and and kind of follow their careers and 
it's it's funny because not a lot of things have changed or a lot of things have changed but that's not one of them and you know now to see you know my son and his friends doing that as well and watching the games on tv and talking about all the cards that they're collecting um it's a it's a pretty neat experience to go through from the other side now yeah what and what drew you to joe sackick at the time was he playing for quebec back then or, or colorado uh yeah a little bit quebec but mostly colorado um and just um i don't know he was just exciting to watch he had a great shot um and I think everybody always well loved you know Gretzky and Lemieux, and I did as well. But you know, I just kind of wanted to choose somebody a little bit different that not everybody was um, you know watching or cheering on all the time. But um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of Joe Sackick fans out there because he was a he was a great player. Yeah. So you grew up uh, in Winnipeg, I assume, and that's a great place for for ice. Should be indoors and outdoors. What was it like? <laughs> uh, what was it like growing up in your household? Um, you know, it was, it was fun. It was kind of uh, a little crazy. I got two younger brothers and, um, you know, we would play, play street hockey. Uh, we played in the basement and then all of us were playing hockey. We lived about maybe a 10 minute walk from the community center. So a lot of times we'd either get dropped off or just kind of walk over there. And, um, you know, we'd spend days, days there, you know, we'd, we'd hang out and we'd just kind of know what we'd have to come home for supper and you just play out on the outdoor rink and you know it's just kind of we go over with friends and just play as long as we could sometimes we get a little cold have to go and warm up and then go back out there but you know it's such an easy game to fall in love with and especially at such a young age uh to be able to skate and move fast out there and you know kind of crash and bang a little bit and jump into the snow banks uh to, to stop when you couldn't stop right away and um so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun uh growing up here so what you describe, particularly for those of us who live out in the Toronto area here, um, wasn't always the case where you could skate outdoors and find open rinks. Is that pretty common in, in Winnipeg? Um, I think depending on the times, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, for the most part, I remember being able to, to find ice, uh, especially outside. Like there wasn't as many teams, I think, then as there is now, maybe kind of fighting over the outdoor practice schedules or the tournaments going on. So um, at least once a weekend, we'd definitely be able to go out there and one of the rings would just kind of be a free skate and anybody could go out there and play and and play pickup and just kind of spend the day there. And many people speak about the importance of having that free play and just passion as a young kid. So do you you think that contributed a lot to your success becoming a, a strong player? I I think so. I mean, I think I just I kind of fell in love with um you know with the game at a young age. I was always wanted to play street hockey. I remember when my youngest brother was born, and uh, you know my parents were at the hospital already, and I my grandparents were all right. Like you know your brother's born, and you got to go to the hospital and meet him. And I was outside playing street hockey with my friends, and I said no, I don't want to go see him. I want to keep playing hockey. And they're like, well, you got to go meet your brother. So. Yeah, we went to the hospital and got to meet him. And I don't know how long we stayed, but I'm sure I was trying to get back to back home to keep playing hockey. But um, I think any time that you can, you just kind of get to to play at your own pace or, or watch other kids playing or just lots of, of reps and just having fun. I mean, it was not the same uh, mentality as it is nowadays with the, with the hockey and how young you're starting and how often you're playing. So there was still a lot of... Um, you know, pick up time and, and where you just go out and you, you just play and just loving the game and, you know, not having these uh, the practices or tournaments or whatever and just kind of going and playing with your friends with uh, and you could kind of make it as uh, intense or, or as fun as you want it to be. Yeah, it probably leans uh, lends itself to more um, 
creativity as a player and developing your own skills and uh, a lot of those finer points that maybe maybe miss sometimes or you have to pay so much to have that yeah. instruction now I, mean, I don't th- i don't think the i mean i don't think the game's ever built been as skilled as it is now and i mean the the skill level of i mean the guys in the nhl but even the players coming up uh through the pipelines and through junior and, and minor hockey i mean the uh the stuff they can do with the puck and with their stick and how fast they're moving. I mean, it, it's, it's a whole, a whole nother level. And so I don't know if it was, we were learning, I guess, skills at that point, but it definitely wasn't to the same level as, you know, guys have brought it to now, but um, you know, it's, it's definitely exciting time to be, be a hockey fan. So Nigel, can you tell us about the, the background of your, uh, your family? Did you come to Canada naturally growing up in uh, Winnipeg? Um, some former players have told us their parents had no experience with hockey and just sort of, the community around them drew them to the game and others had grandparents who always watch hockey night in Canada and different things like that. So maybe just give us some context of how those influence uh, impacted you or not as a young person. Yeah. My, my dad was born in uh, Jamaica and he moved to Canada when he was about 18 and my mom was born in, in Winnipeg and my mom grew up, uh, she was a speed skater. So she was, uh, you know, like a high level speed skater. So, she, um, I mean, she wasn't really into hockey, but she was a great skater and kind of taught me how to skate. Uh, my dad, you know, he was played a lot of sports, but at the time he was playing rugby as well as my mom actually. So, uh, it was a good combination for the, <laughs> the physical aspect of the game and then, and playing on, on the ice, but neither one of them really had uh, any experience in hockey, but I just, you know, fell in love with it at a, at a young age. Um, so I was watching it on TV and, and wanting to play it. So yeah, I just kind of fell into it being Canadian, I guess. <laughs> so you had uh, a lot of influences around you just about being an athlete, it sounds like. Yeah. And I think, um, well, living in Canada, but even in Winnipeg, like uh, with it being so cold in the winter and and stuff on those nice days, I mean, there's nothing better than going out and, and skating outside. And it's actually something I'm kind of uh, excited to to do again now with my son. You know, I haven't skated outside on an outdoor rink in in a long time, so um, I couldn't even tell you the last time I, I did it. So it will be it will be exciting this this winter to to be able to do stuff like that and just kind of bring back the, the your days as a kid. Yeah. And maybe you can tell us then um, the first time you started skating and then your early beginnings in terms of the, the hockey level you played. I don't know if you were someone that went straight to AAA hockey and locked in with a, a certain team for those years. But what was what were those experiences like for you? Um, I started skating, I think I was about three or four. I started playing hockey at five and I, I mean, I wasn't very good. I could barely skate. And barely stand up and when I was six I didn't uh, didn't play hockey I took karate instead and, uh, and then I came back at seven to play hockey again and I don't know what happened in that year but uh, I was a completely different player different skater and from then on it was just pretty much hockey all the time and just kind of worked my way up um, you know from seven eight nine all the way to to double a and then from there uh, that started around 11 and then started playing triple a uh, at 13 and then uh moved on to the Western Hockey League uh, at 16. So you really had a gradual progression when you talk about those early years and finding your play in 10-11. And what, what position did you play in those years? Were you always same position? Uh, when I was younger, I played a little. I played defense a little bit, but it, I think a lot of it at that time was more – there was only four defensemen and, and there was more forwards, so I was out every other shift instead of having to go every third shift. And, you know, especially late in games, the, the coach would usually put me back on D so that I could – get a couple extra shifts as opposed to 
having to wait longer to get on forward. But for the most part of my career, uh, yeah, I've been left wing. Um, when I was younger, maybe a little bit of center, but uh, from Pee Wee on, probably for sure uh, a winger. And then from um, those early years, would it be the same group of players you're playing on this competitive traveling team? What was the t- name of the team or association you played with? Um, the first, the, yeah, the first like summer team that I played on was uh, the, we were called the Winnipeg Junior Jets. Uh, you know, we went to the Brick Tournament and a few other tournaments uh, throughout the summer. Uh, for AAA, it was um, we were the Winnipeg Warriors, and yeah, I mean, there's a group of us that would kind of play together, but it would kind of switch as well throughout the years. Or uh, when I was 14, I played played up a year, so I, I played with uh, you know kids a little bit older and and you know made some new friends there, and are still some of my best friends uh, to to the day now so um yeah but it wasn't it wasn't always the same same people kind of moved around and and changed but uh that was hockey and kind of part of the the joy of that meeting new people yeah and what would the travel loop be like for someone 13 14 years old playing at that time in winnipeg was there a lot of travel um not a ton like there was some but it wasn't not until you know midget which would, would have been 50 or under at that time would have been under 17 i guess that would be what we played yeah all over manitoba uh we played a team out of uh, kenora in ontario which was about a two-hour drive um so that was definitely a little bit more travel and you know a lot more bus trips and stuff but i think uh, when you're kind of 13 15 most of the games are there's only four or five teams in the city and you just kind of play those for the most part and probably a high caliber of five teams it sounds like being the yeah, one bigger. yeah there, there's a lot of good players uh, you know it was definitely a challenge uh, playing against older older guys and and you know kind of trying to adapt to that as they're you know a little bit bigger and stronger and and faster so you, it's the same things don't work but it was a great uh great way to learn and, and to try and uh, keep up to to the guys so that sounds like that was a significant uh transformational period for you in terms of your development of play uh, was that something that you asked for or just naturally your your abilities led you to to play up a year yeah, I think it just kind of kind of happened, and I mean, even when I, I I did, I wasn't really sure if I was going going to make the team or not, and I was you know happy playing with with uh, my age group, but the coach asked, and I got called up a couple times a year before, and and did you know held my own, so I think that kind of planted the seed for them to maybe see how it would go the the following year, and um, I know that uh, yeah they wanted me even when I was fifteen, they were trying to get me to play. A, I guess it would have been like a, a junior A league, but I just I wasn't really comfortable with it and, and just ended up playing, you know, with uh, the under-17 team. Um, but got called up a couple of games, and that was a pretty cool experience because at, at that time, you know, it was something that uh, I looked up to, that league, and, and playing there. They were playing just down the street from, from my parents' house, so we'd always go and watch a lot of the games, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. So you're born in 1985 and you're growing up in Winnipeg and the uh, playing these games in the early 90s to late 90s. Can you can you tell us, was Winnipeg kind of a diverse area, including, I assume there'd be um, players of Indigenous background. Do you remember growing up with a little bit of diversity in your area or not um, much? Yes and no. I think like throughout the league, there was a little bit, um, there's definitely a few of my friends but um overall no not i don't really remember it being a lot uh 
But I think as you get older, uh, you see, you know, different backgrounds and different cultures coming together and, and uh, different races even getting into the game. Um, I definitely cross paths with, with a, with a yeah. lot more. So you talked about looking up to uh, Joe Sackick. And given that you're uh, one of you few people of um, color diversity around you, was there a moment where you, uh, you know, looked up to stars that would have been playing the NHL or junior hockey in the 90s that made you sort of uh, attach yourself to the, to the dream of potentially playing the NHL one day or, or just, just generally feeling more of a sense of belonging in minor hockey? I'm, yeah, it's it's tough because it's like a, a lot of times, like now looking back, you replay a lot of you know scenarios or situations you were in, and you're like, man, like that was pretty messed up. But uh, you know, being young and just kind of entangled in hockey, like you just you're not really putting as much thought into it. So I mean, I just I really love the game. I think as a as a young kid, no matter you know where you're from or or what your race is, I think if you're watching the NHL on TV, I mean that's the ultimate dream. I mean, I still watch you know them skate around with the Stanley Cup after it's won and pass it off and it's still a dream even knowing now I'll, it will never happen but it, it's it's not something that's kind of like you know died I mean even though I played in the NHL and stuff it's just you're always going to get those you know feelings when you when you see that and uh, for me it was just I wanted to to be on TV I wanted to be playing hockey I want to be playing at the, the highest level and and it didn't really matter to me you know what I looked like or where I came from it was just all more about how I played on the ice and, and how I could try and keep improving and becoming the best player to, to give myself an opportunity or a chance to, to try and get to that level. Was there any moments, I know for myself, I, my experience is very similar in terms of wanting to play, not being too much impacted by obviously not seeing many people like myself playing, but but also the back of my mind being kind of aware that you know down the road, Tony McKegney played for Buffalo and Wayne Gretzky's a star now and Grant Fuhr is a goalie who's black for Edmonton. So I just yeah. wondered whether it may not be a driver for you, but it was just something that you're noticeable that was happening. Um, yeah, I think I think as I got probably more into junior hockey and, and stuff where you you could kind of you could kind of feel it a little bit more where like closer to maybe your dream or you're like you know there's guys from your team the year before that are now going to NHL camps and making it and and just being uh, well even in the in the 90s and in the early 2000s like just there were more there was way more diversity in the game and a lot more black players and you know you got I know like Grant Fuhr and and uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough to... Pokey Reddick played for Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest ones for me was like playing on a line with Jerome McGinley when I was in Calgary for parts of the season. And, you know, he he was, you know, like a, an idol for not just myself, but like a lot of, you know, players of color growing up and, and just represented himself so well and, and was just such a good hockey player that... It must have been inspiring. It was just, it was really nice team yeah don't just be on the same team and um you know but a lot of times like you know i would only be the only black player on the team or maybe like sometimes in the league so you know when i played world juniors and we had three black guys on the team with myself anthony stewart and and sean bell i mean that was probably like the first first feeling for me where i was like oh yeah and there's like you know there's other guys on the team with me um which was was definitely 
really cool to see see the change even just from you know myself growing up and playing on different teams and then coming and being a part of the team with them and they were both great guys and and you know still have a relationship with them with them to this day so um yeah it's just it's, it's really it's cool to see how far it's come but there's still such a, a long way for it to go yeah yeah it must have felt at the time that you know the face of Canada was kind of changing a little more dramatically, and I think you your your group there was part of a movement that must have just felt, hey, this is kind of neat. We're we're all achieving success, and we're in a small way changing the face of hockey. And 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 uh, as you said, there must be a, a collegial sense of belonging, just seeing other people that, that look like you. Um, I want to jump ahead to your junior hockey day. So t- tell us about when you sort of start, start to feel that you might have had a shot of being drafted to the uh, Western Hockey League. I imagine there probably could have been U.S. opportunities, although it wasn't as big of a step at the time. But you ended up playing for the Kootenai Ice and had a, a successful career with them. So what led up to you being acquired by them? Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know what, I mean, I knew I had a really good year and, and I think it was called Bantam or my, for, for my draft year for the WHL. And, um, but at that point there's, you know, there wasn't a lot of room for smaller hockey players in the game. It was kind of, you know, I was at that point told my whole career, at least like the last four or five years that I was too small and that I wasn't going to make it. And, you know, they just need bigger players. And so I didn't really know what kind of where I would go in the draft, if I would get drafted, um, I knew I was a good hockey player and I, and I played well. And even some of the uh, players that got drafted, you know, I was putting up a lot more points and, and probably better players than they were, but I got drafted in the fifth round and um, yeah, I went to the first training camp and everybody was huge. And uh, I felt, I mean, the only time you really feel like normal is on the ice. Cause that's, uh, I mean, if you're walking side by side with someone, you know, it's, you definitely feel like they're towering over you, but for whatever reason, once you get on the ice, it's just a different thing. I mean, I don't know if it's cause you're skating too or doing other things, but you just kind of, you know, feel at home and I had a pretty good camp and then, yeah, yeah. To be honest, I think it kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't even going to go to camp the next year. I was going to wait because I didn't want to, uh, you know, lose my college eligibility, not knowing what I was, which path I was going to go down at the time, and just ended up going out to camp uh, kind of last minute and didn't end up coming back. So I just kind of fell in love with it and and made the team. And yeah, I think it was more probably the next year as a 17 year old that I was like, okay, like I think I might have a chance at this. Cause I, I was had a really good year and I was feeling more comfortable and I kept improving and um, that was my draft year. So um, it turned out well. Yeah. And your numbers, you know, um, the type of player you were was uh, you know, a high point getter. I know your first year with Kuni ice in 2001, you had three, four points in 54 games. And I imagine that the next season you said where you really took off, you had the 72 games played and uh, 92 points, 47 goals, 45 assists. So, so really progressing. And, and as you said, you're probably a, a point in the uh, NHL's history where smaller players didn't have as many opportunities. It was just kind of a, a different game or the way that smaller players were, were perceived. There wasn't as many opportunities. So your, your Western career... I should highlight that you end up eventually winning a Memorial Cup with Kootenai Ice, and also you uh, play on a couple of World Junior National teams, as you, you mentioned, and win a gold medal with with those teams as well. So, really, a lot of success. And can can you share other highlights about your journey and, and that Memorial experience with us with the Kootenai Ice? 
Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, it was my first year. So as a 16 year old, and I think that was probably, I mean, it probably helped in a lot of ways where I didn't, you know, I just thought it was normal. You're just going out and playing another game. You don't know that some of these guys have been in the league for four or five years and could be the first time going to the playoffs or the first time going to the finals or the, I mean, I, don't, I think maybe two or some of the guys were, I think went to the Memorial Cup two years prior, but they, the team wasn't nearly as strong. So yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun even being, you know, one of the younger guys on the team and just uh, going on that ride and kind of just being oblivious to really everything that was going on at the time because you're just not really comprehending, uh, you know, the magnitude of things at that time. Um, so you're just going out and I think you play a little bit more free, play a little bit more relaxed and, and you know, but I'm sure the older guys wouldn't have the same, yeah. uh, same story or same feelings. <laughs> And to your point about this confidence, it must be a confidence builder. All of a sudden, you're in the uh, WHL, you're having success, you're going Memorial Cup, you probably start to look around and say, you know, you're, you're kind of competing. There, there's no reason why you might, uh, you know, make it to the, the higher levels. And you also have the success of being identified for the World Junior Championship. So we, we interviewed Kendall McArdle, you might be aware of, uh, a few episodes ago. And he won a Memorial Cup with Vancouver Giants and also won a World Junior medal. So I see all the paraphernalia you have behind you there with your jerseys. And uh, I guess, again, there's not many people that can sort of hang their hat on. The Memorial Cup is, some say it's even more contested trophy to win than the, than the Stanley Cup and to win a World Junior. So you must feel really proud of having achieved those. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely very proud of it. I mean, I, I would have liked to win a few more championships in my career, but um, I think that's what most people would say. Um, but just to be able to have that the taste of uh, winning winning championships at, at such a young age, like my first year, and then playing in the World Juniors, um, definitely highlights of the career. And, you know, I was able to play in some Stanley Cup playoff games, but uh, unfortunately not not get nearly close enough to, to winning that and um but yeah it's i think now the career is over and you're you can kind of sit back and you start thinking about more of the memories i mean i there's my my son's hockey coach is like oh i was out in grand forks watching that world juniors we were like our mid-20s and we all rent hotel rooms and stuff so it's just like the tournament was two hours from winnipeg so there's a lot of people from winnipeg there and it was a lot like a huge highlight for them as fans um being able to take that in and, and that's having such a, a good team that it was, you know, so much fun for really everybody involved. Yeah. So your, your pro career starts in 2003 following Kootenai ends just now. It seems like 2022, you've just returned from Europe, a really long pro career. Um, the NHL teams you played for, if I have this correctly, were the New York Rangers, you were drafted to them, Phoenix, Calgary, and Atlanta. And then you had some stops, a long, long uh, career in the KHL and stops with the AHL as well. So we're going to get into that a little bit in a bit. But uh, let, let's talk about uh, what happened with the NHL draft then. So did you did you have that on the radar? And um, what what was that experience like being called, having your name called for the draft? I think it, it was 
I mean, it was, it was cool, but not the same. Like it's not, um, I mean, obviously it's like at that point, it's like a lifelong dream to, to get drafted to the NHL and stuff, but there's not, again, I was a younger or a smaller player than there's not, there was no hype about it or anything like that. So I, I didn't go to the draft. I wasn't, I didn't know when I was going to get drafted. I had a good idea. I would get drafted, but I didn't really know where or what team. And, um, yeah, so my you know my dad came and kind of woke me up on Sunday morning and was like, "Hey, you just got drafted to the Rangers," and I was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And started thinking about New York City and and going to visit there for the first time. But yeah, it wasn't something that I was like stressed over or you know worried about because it's not like you're like a first round draft pick where you're there and you're sitting in the stands and you're like, ah, like you know, it's it was really just another day for me except i got a nice wake-up call sure. so that's that's still relatively high 149th overall and two, in the 2003 entry draft and that was by the new york rangers and that was after two seasons in the whl so um the other thing getting back to the world juniors is uh one of the games you got uh in the gold medal two goals and one assist against the u.s and uh you were named canada's player of the game so any memories to uh, shed light on that experience yeah they're all bad memories though because we lost <laughs> uh we had a three-win lead going into the third period and lost on a couple two kind of weird goals one of them we shot off our own defenseman into the net so um it was it was definitely kind of a bitter bitter pill to swallow the way we lost but luckily we had a lot of uh you know underagers on well i guess underagers for the tournament on the team so we all had um, some learning from that experience yeah learning from that but also kind of a a chip where on our shoulder where we were you know we weren't happy with how things ended and we we wanted to make sure that you know we didn't let the next opportunity slip away because we saw the guys who weren't going to get a chance to play again the following year like the 19 year old guys that you know we saw their feeling and how they felt and we didn't want to have that feeling the following year yeah can you tell some of the listeners and some of the players you played in those two tournaments then uh the first one in helsinki we had uh dan pie mark andre Fleury, but we had a lot of young guys who were well not young guys but the the 18 year old guys the next year in 2005 oh, crosby was there as, as well as in helsinki and then the next year we had crosby bergeron mike richards uh jeff carter ryan getzlaff andrew ladd Dion Phaneuf, Shea Weber. So that that's the year you won. Yeah. The following yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh yeah, we had a pretty stacked team though the NHL lockout. So a lot of the, you know, eighteen or rookies, first round picks that would probably have made the NHL that year weren't playing in the NHL and um, you know, our team definitely benefited from that greatly so and and then where would the, where the what city did that winning take place in was that uh, i was in grand, For- grand forks north that was grand forks so yeah. Yeah. yeah so any special moment with you at the proximity of in winnipeg and- that was really cool yeah there's i mean there's so many friends and family and i mean it might as well have been in winnipeg everybody was driving down to watch um you know playing junior hockey in in bc as a my family didn't get a lot get a lot of chances to see me play so for them to be able to be such a big part of that tournament and take in every game and and be there and and not just my parents but you know aunts uncles um you know other relatives lots of best friends um it it was really cool and there's so many people still to this day that talk about that tournament there were snowstorms and people getting stranded and the fans drinking the stadium dry out of beer and stuff like that so it was it was a whole party for everybody and uh you know at the end of the tournament we got to to join in on the yeah quite the canadian experience yeah (laughs) 
If you're enjoying Recognize and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection, I'd suggest you start with eBay. eBay is all about connecting communities and feeling passions. Because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. So then you move on to two moments, two, two other moments that I think should be significant. Your first NHL game in 2006 with New York Rangers and then scoring your first NHL goal. So are those memories you still recall that are special to you? Yeah, I was I was lucky that, um, you know, the coach at the time, Tom Rennie, was, uh, you know, nice enough to let me know I was going to be playing, you know, in the home opener and a couple of days ahead of time. So it gave myself a chance to get my parents out to, to New York to watch the game in person and, and live. You know, you're not always lucky enough as a player to, to get a, a warning or, or I mean, you know, a heads up. So, you know, some coaches don't let you know or, you could just get called up that day and so it was, it was a nice uh, experience for for me and, and my parents to be able to for them to be there and, and have that time uh, for them to watch it um, and my first NHL goal was my first game on hockey night in Canada in Toronto and a lot of my dad's family lives in Toronto and you know they've never really seen got, got to see me play so my grandpa was there and uh, some of my cousins and my aunt and uncle so that was um also a really cool cool experience and yeah at the time it was kind of getting a little stressful because I think it was like seven or eight games and I don't know if I had a point yet so you start kind of thinking about it and um yeah it happened you know about halfway through the first period so it was uh something that you you've always dreamed of and I think that was definitely like one of the coolest things and probably a, a way more exciting feeling than um you know getting drafted or uh you know, playing your first game, I think the the emotions, I mean, playing the first game, you're a little nervous and you're kind of taking it all in. So I shouldn't take away from that, but definitely that feeling of scoring the first goal is, is something that I, I still remember now. And then which team were you playing against? Uh, we were playing Rangers against Toronto. Okay, Toronto. all right. So, yeah. so yeah, I was on for my first time playing on Hockey Night in Canada. And yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Not only Hockey Night in Canada, but as you said, I guess Tom Rennie making arrangements for you to play in Toronto and just works out that great with family and friends you have yeah well no my, my first game was in new york against uh, uh but the, sorry by the first but the goal yeah we even even better the goal, the goal was in Toronto. Yeah. yeah so then um you uh in 2006 you played eight games with the rangers and then you are a few years with the hartford bullpack and then you sort of uh, solidify yourself in 2007 playing 61 games with the rangers and the following year 52 so it sounded like that was your uh your really um really developed as a player after those two years in the AHL and sort of got settled in the NHL for a while? Yeah, I had played uh, one year in AHL and then the next year, my second year pro, I made the Rangers out of camp and eight games, would you yeah. say? I think that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, so it was just, yeah, I, I was a little bit... Getting a taste of it. Yeah, getting a taste of it and getting adjusted to it. And, and then uh, I think when I got sent down after making the team out of uh, training camp, you know, it was, it was tough to adjust. You kind of you're upset and you're, you're pissed off and, you know, you maybe don't handle it as well. And it took me maybe a month or so to kind of get playing again and stop feeling sorry for myself. And, and then I, I had a really good like rest of the season and, and played really well. And, um, and then next year, I think I got started in the minors and then got, I was playing like really well. And I think I got called up maybe after a month or a month and a half and then kind of didn't look back from there. 
until nearly years later. <laughs> yeah. And um, what was it like playing for the Hartford Wolfpack those years? Oh, it was good. Uh, you know, they had, they had good coaches, and I think it's just kind of learning the pro game. I mean, it's your first time kind of living alone. It's your first time, you know, trying to uh, – you don't have – I mean, there's rules, but, you, yeah, you're just kind of – Learning how to be a pro, I guess, right? Yeah, well, learning how to be a pro, but also an adult. Like, I was probably, like, 21 or 22 years old. Like, you know, you're still a kid, and you're – you put into all these uh, different positions and also just, you know, learning how to, to be a good hockey player and, and play consistently night in, night out and to what it takes, what the sacrifice is, eating well, you know, getting proper rest to, you know, being ready at any time. So um, there's definitely, you know, learning curves and it's a little bit of a roller coaster, but there's some good veteran players there that uh, definitely helped, uh, you know, with the younger guys. And we had a, a fairly young team, so it was, it was fun. And it was a lot of a lot of different learning and um but also a lot of fun you know going out is for team dinners and getting to enjoy that yeah so between 2007 and 2010 you played for the rangers for a few years then phoenix coyotes and you talked about your experience with the calgary flames and being able to play on the same roster as uh jerome Ginla and then the atlanta thrashers so what are some of the highlights or ups and downs of that whole stretch that, that was your longest stretch in the nhl those years yeah um yeah it was it was great i think you know it was tough getting traded from new york to phoenix um even though you know you, you get excited but it was the first time i'd ever been traded in my career and you just it's just a weird feeling it's um you know you, you're picking up one life as you know it and you know within six hours you're on well they were on a road trip out east so it's just i think a train ride or a, a car ride but yeah it's weird and then you're just like picking up your life and you're moving somewhere else and meeting you know 25 new guys and they're all now your teammates and you got to play a game you know the next afternoon and <laughs> so it was it was different but uh it was it was good there was a lot of trades phoenix made a lot of trades at that trade deadline and so there's a lot of new faces so i think it was nice that way where everybody got got to to come in and there's a you know maybe eight or ten guys who had just got traded that were kind of trying to learn their way around the team and the city as well. So we we had a lot of guys to lean on. And then you have a stint in Phoenix and in Calgary. Are there any um, highlights you remember in terms of players you played with or coaches? Um, significant moments in that, those those years. I got to play for Wayne Gretzky. He was coaching in uh, in Phoenix when I was there. So that was. Uh, a pretty unique experience and pretty cool. I mean, to to have the greatest player ever coaching you is. I mean, I don't even know if anyone could have really even dreamt of that. So um, it was really cool. Um, playing in Calgary was a, also a great experience. To, the one time I played in in Canada, um, just to have the Canadian fan base and you know, kind of have that um, you know pressure of playing that kind of market was uh was a good experience and, and you know i really enjoyed that as well and you're you continue to be a scorer that your highest ending point total of the year with calgary was 66 games you had uh, 32 points so obviously you were still you know in that in that role and you alluded before about the challenges of uh being a small player being a point getter so you you then move on after that in your final years with uh, montreal and then I guess you make a decision, a uh, long-staying decision, to then move to the to the KHL. But maybe you can just tell us about your last stint with Montreal and your decision-making to then move on to uh, Stana Beriz, I believe it's called, from the KHL. Yeah, um, yeah that year was good. I, I, I was playing in Atlanta for a bit, and then I got sent down uh, to Chicago. And 
yeah, at that point I was kind of like, okay, like I think I'm 25 or 26. I've been there the last few years. I've kind of bounced around a little bit. I wanted to, you know, obviously have a, a good opportunity or better opportunity to play in the NHL, but also if something else kind of came up, you know, I think at that time I was, you know, starting to listen a little bit more. I had had teams call like the previous year, but uh, I didn't really cross my mind. And now that I was in the AHL, you start thinking about it a little bit more and um, you don't know if you're going to get called back up. You might, um, you know, you could stick it out and maybe get, you know, a few games here and there, but, you know, I wanted to be a regular player in the NHL. And um, I think it was right around Christmas time that I told my agent, I was like, you know, if I get a good offer, in Russia, I think I'm I'm ready to try that out and, and see how that goes. And by February, we had a had an offer and I had agreed to it just before we started playoffs and uh, the AHL. And yeah, we had a great great run in the with Hamilton. I think we lost we lost in the conference finals. And then about six weeks later, I was uh, you know off to Astana in Kazakhstan to to start a new chapter. So you said you had an agent. Had, had you heard about those experiences before? Was it a sort of thing where you said like, "I'll give it a go for a while and see how it goes"? Because um, you you end up spending you know ten ten years. I I assume you came back in the summer times, but that's a good long stretch in Kazakhstan. Yeah, I definitely talked to. There's a couple of guys that I knew on the team. I, a couple of guys in the league at that time that I talked to. Um, a lot of it was hearsay at the time and depending on where you were, I think everybody's experiences were different, but yeah, you do, you try and get as much information and research as you, as possible. But even then it doesn't really, you still got to make the decision. And then once you get there, you're going to have to try and sort it out because it's definitely has the culture shock and an adjustment period. But yeah, it's, it was, it was good. I mean, I, I was going to go for a year or two and every year kept getting better and ended up staying for 10. So um, it was a, it's a really big part of my career, a huge part of my career. And, you know, looking back on it, it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, there's been a few other guests that have spent, spent a lot of time in uh, Europe, European leagues. And, um, you know, they, they, they speak so fondly about the experience for them, their family, everything. And, and you know, you 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 kept playing, I guess, until last year with the Mannheim Eagles. In uh, what what league was that, Nigel? Uh, that was a DEL in Germany. Okay. Are, are players compensated well? Has it gotten better for those decisions? Because it, it does seem that it's been something more common for players post NHL to then go play in other parts of the world. Yeah, it, they definitely uh, you can definitely make a great career for yourself in Europe, and um, depending on what league you're in, obviously there's kind of like a I guess a scale depending on the leagues, but um, you know there's a lot of good European leagues that pay very well, and um, you're able to make a great living and and still be able to, to play a game that you love and and get to see different parts of the world. I mean, it's not it's not what I dreamt of as a as a kid growing up playing hockey, street hockey in front of my house, but. Um, you know, I also was never really supposed to make the NHL with my size and, and everybody saying that I was too small to make it. And so I was able to do that. And yeah, when this opportunity came, uh, kind of took it, took it with, uh, you know, an open mind and, and ran with it once I got over there and it, um, it was a great, I mean, there's, there's some hiccups, there's some ups and downs. I mean, the league was still 
uh, relatively new. I think at that my first year was only three or four years old. So there's obviously things that, you know, needed some ironing out or, or just whether it's travel or schedule or, you know, food in the hotel. I mean, a lot of different things that, um, you know, teams are kind of sorting out and with new imports coming or guys, you know, used to different things, but it got better each year. They were learning and they got TV deals and the fans are great and they, you know, they follow their teams and they're very loyal and they just, they're, they've got passionate fan bases like they, they do in the NHL. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun for me. I mean, if it wasn't, if I wasn't enjoying it and, and wasn't comfortable, um, I definitely wouldn't have stayed for as long as I did, but it was, um, it was, it was a lot of fun for me. Well, yeah, you were clearly enjoying spend, uh, those years. And, um, was it the type of thing where the, like, can you give us an idea of what the fan bases, the crowds would be like for the, the teams you'd play against? I mean, it all kind of depends on their arena, but anywhere from, you know, 2,000 to 15,000, it all really kind of depended on the team and the city and, and the, the building they had. But I mean, you have fans traveling on every road trip to come see you. I don't know how they did it. Cause we'd have like a four hour flight and then they're still there the next day. And I don't know if they're flying or driving or train or what, but they, they figured out how to get around in, in there. And, um, the Euro- European culture, they're all, they have like a standing section and a lot of the stand or the fans are just standing the whole game and chanting and singing. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a really cool atmosphere. It's almost kind of like a, a soccer atmosphere, Europe, European soccer atmosphere, uh, in the building and and they they bring it to the hockey and they they just go and go and go and uh and yeah it's it's fun to play in front of or against i was going to say it sounded like a cross between uh you know hockey and soccer game in terms of the involvement and loyalty of fans so yeah and i i talked about that diversity piece uh earlier uh for you was there any uh challenges you faced or you adjusted to um over in europe versus uh playing here oh no i mean there, I mean, I think any black hockey player, I, mean, I, I don't know if I'll ever meet one that hasn't dealt with racism. So I guess it kind of goes without saying that I, I have had issues with it. But yeah, I mean, you move on, you, you keep going. I mean, one one time there was, you know, one of the guys on my team actually was being, being racist towards me. And one of the other Russian guys actually came and, you know, punched them so that was one like a pretty good feeling on my part that you know someone else from who's the same country same upbringing and stuff is you know going against his own because he knew it was wrong and um it was i mean it felt awful with your teammate coming at you but it also felt really good that you know one of your other teammates had your back yeah and and as i was asking you before about your your commitment to go over there obviously you wouldn't have stayed over there that many times so um obviously everything else weighed out whatever challenges you would have uh faced but you know the fact is you're changing to a quite a dramatic culture than north america so i just wondered about you know how that transition went for you there, uh, during those years yeah it's and i mean there was it wasn't i mean there is there was culture shock and the language barrier and, and stuff but you know i felt very comfortable there i i enjoyed living everywhere that i lived there i enjoyed you know visiting the the cities that we got to visit or play in you know it's it was a really good like experience for me overall throughout my my whole time there and then did you um was it a type of thing where you came back every summer or did you just stay over in kazakhstan or no, we, we come back after the season. Usually we kind of do like a year-end trip, you know, somewhere over on that side of the world where, you know, you have that opportunity to, you know, go to Dubai or something like that, where it's a four or five hour flight um, instead of having to fly, you know, 15 hours across from, from Canada to go visit. So try to do, 
go see some, uh, you know, things over there. And then we'd come home and we'd have about two months at home and back in Winnipeg and uh, catch up with friends and family and do my off season training and uh, then pack up and go back over again. Yeah. It sounds like it was a real nice routine for you to, to be into and uh, perhaps maybe not as, not as much uh, playing games as you normally would face in a pro league over on this side. Is that correct? Yeah, I think we played anywhere from 52 to 60 games a se- season. So uh, they actually started playing more games, uh, you know, after my first couple of years there. But that was definitely a challenge at first where, you know, you, you're playing 80 plus games and now you're playing around 50 plus playoffs. So um, there's definitely felt like times where you like wouldn't play a game for like three weeks and you're just like, man, I just want to like play. And there was a lot more practice. So I was like, I know a lot of the guys are like, man, I would rather play a hundred games and have to practice as much as we were. So, but um, yeah, just kind of like how, I mean, a lot of teams in Europe do it that way. And a lot of the leagues do, they'll have kind of different breaks of, you know, anywhere from like eight to 10 days where you're not going to play and you get some days off and then you get to practice and then you, you know, you start, start again. And there's a couple breaks throughout the year, but um, yeah, you, you adapt to it and you get used to it and, um, then it becomes a norm. It seems like that may have helped your longevity playing all these years as well, too, because of the, uh, you know, a little bit more of a flexible schedule with the, uh, with the games and practices, more practices, but yeah, I don't like, I mean, a lot of times the practices were harder than the games, So I was just, yeah. <laughs> that's why I think most of the guys wanted to play the games and not have the practice. Yeah. So um, would you say there's more contact in that league or less? Uh, probably less. It's, I mean, they've changed the ice again, but at the time it was a uh, Olympic size. So it's, there's more skating and more room. So it's more just, skating. It's just hard. Like there's still contact, but it's just, there's so much ice to cover that it's just a lot harder to like get those big hits or like you really have to be in like perfect position, perfect timing to, to get those big hits. Whereas like, you know, here there's less ice out there. So it's a lot easier to be in the right position and have the right timing and, and not like running out of uh, position to go for a big hit. So, uh, I mean, it definitely still happens. Some guys still caught me, but, um, you know, I definitely, there's definitely just more room to kind of get out of the way or, or, or skate around it. Yeah. So you, you, uh, reflected upon the, the challenger, perhaps barrier you had in terms of perception of you being a smaller player is probably one of the biggest hurdles you had to overcome. And, um, other people have expressed the barriers in hockey, um, other barriers such as, you know, the cost and feeling a sense of belonging inclusion. Um, now that you've returned, you've been watching what's been happening over the years. Are you, are you optimistic about some changes that are, um, hopefully making hockey more inclusive, uh, particularly here in North America? Um, I definitely say I'm op- uh, optimistic about it, but there's still like a long way to go. And um, it's come a long way from, you know, when I was playing or growing up playing to where it is now. And I, I understand that these things don't happen overnight or over a year and it, it will take some time. But, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of these young kids coming up and start and playing hockey or any sports really like hopefully they're dealing with less and less. But there's there's a lot um, a lot worse things going on in the world than than sport. And, you know, I hope that we continue to keep taking these right steps to to include as many people as we can, no matter where you're coming from or what your background is or what your race is and just kind of getting them to the game because, 
it's it's such an amazing game and it's so much fun you know i wish it was anybody could play it but unfortunately it's not like soccer where you just need a ball or you know you can play without shoes if you want but um you know it can be expensive and equipment's expensive and ice is expensive and those prices are just getting up but there's so many more programs that are giving back and and helping you know whether it be underprivileged kids or or kids that might not have uh you know any any way to watch hockey or see it get into the game and and uh, get introduced to it so hopefully those uh, programs uh, I'm actually helping out with one right now in the city and hopefully there's just more of them come out and you can just touch more and more kids because there's not many people that start playing hockey that uh, that don't love the game or, or don't fall in love and, and try or want to at least continue to play whether that be you know floor hockey or ice hockey or street hockey or whatever kind of hockey like roller hockey like it's um, there's so many different different ways of playing the game and, and they're all just as fun and and, and meaningful. And maybe you can tell us what you're up to now because you, you did talk about uh, your involvement with your son. Do you see yourself in the future and giving back to the game in different ways, whether it's involvement with him or others in the community? Yeah, I mean, the the Winnipeg Jets ha- have a really good hockey academy here that, you know, they give back to, to schools and they work with some schools. So there's uh, right now I'm just kind of helping out with uh, kids um, that are just they're all different levels they're just uh, learning to skate or getting introduced to it the the Jets really do do a good job with the True North uh, Foundation and uh, you know I've only been doing it for a couple of weeks but already it's uh, the first day none of the kids really want to talk to me and the next the next week they're you know started to chirp me and, and make fun of me so now I know I'm you know I'm on the right track you know when people are making fun of you that's a good thing so so yeah it's nice to, to get give back and get be able to to go out there with them as for what's in store for the future, I'm not sure. I like being out, kind of helping out with my son's team, but I'm not really coaching him. or just kind of another hands or another person out there to help out with the kids um, and help the other coaches. And we'll see where where it goes down the road. But I definitely love to be you know able to to stick in hockey somehow. Um, just not sure what really what that might be at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you haven't been retired for that long, so <laughs> do you plan on? Do you plan on staying in the skates any way in the future? Like, what what do former players do? Do they? So I, they in the summer it was a lot of golf this year, and uh, right now it's just kind of family, be around, and uh, you know, you try not to miss anything. Uh, I miss so much over my career that you want to try and be there for for all the activities, and whether it's soccer, or hockey, or school school uh, stuff right now. So, not really any desire to put the skates on to play yet but i'm sure that will come back around but i'm kind of maybe take a year or so and then kind of see where it goes it'll probably be different now though like not the same intensity just sort of skate to just sort of stay loose on yeah. The ice. yeah definitely just kind of get out there with your friends and uh have a good time yeah so uh in wrapping up here maybe you can just share with us what advice you would give for a young hockey player playing today hmm. um just have fun i mean i think there's so many people that you talk to now and everyone's like oh like what spring team are you playing or what team is this or whatever and it's just no there's not i just hope that that fun stays in the game as long as you can because the longer you can you play the game and just enjoy it and before if you're lucky enough to turn pro or where it becomes a job or you get the the stress or the anxiety or the the pressure i mean when you're a kid you don't have that and it's so much fun to just go out there and be freewheeling and, uh, you know, just enjoy the game with your friends and uh, your teammates and try and hold on to that as long as you can, because uh, it is still a fun game, even if you do two turn pro and stuff, but there's so much other stuff that it becomes or can become. So um, yeah, take it. I mean, it can take you, it took me around the world. It can take you to a lot of different places, uh, whether it's tournaments or, 
or league games. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a beautiful game and it's a lot of fun uh, to have had it be such a big part of my life for so long. Yeah, thanks for sharing that uh, wise advice for us. And and as we reflect on our conversation with you, you know, you you did overcome a lot of barriers in terms of perceptions of being a small player. And you know, we're very successful with the championships we mentioned with the uh, World Junior Hockey and and the Memorial Cup, and then to find your place in the NHL and uh, work through some success there, and then and then have a long and lengthy career successful in the KHL is quite a, quite a accomplishment and, and i can tell that it you were just sort of following your passion and having fun all those years so which i think is the advice that uh, you know you give them to kids yeah yeah it's, it's not very often you get to you know have a job that you say that you love or you you enjoy as much as, as you do or you get to play a sport for for your job so um yeah i've, I've been very fortunate and um and definitely definitely have enjoyed the ride yeah well i appreciate you spending this time with us uh nigel one of uh many amazing individuals who have come on this uh, show and talked about their perspectives uh playing hockey being a diverse individual and also the experiences you've had playing in other parts of the world so many people will really appreciate hearing your story and will be inspired so thank you very much for being on the show and uh if we're out in winnipeg sometime we'll try to connect with you yeah thanks for having me we're proud to be working with Hockey Equality. Hockey Equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey by lowering financial barriers for BIPOC female and other equity deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the stories shared on this podcast and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out hockeyequality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to share this story with your kids, then check out My Hockey Hero. It's shorter and suitable for the whole family. You can click the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Podstarter production. production.